Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Hi, listeners. Just a quick warning before you listen to today's episode. This one deals with extremely graphic content and is intended for a mature audience only. Coming up. This man did a very similar crime 30 years ago, and he lives right here. What if they would have knocked on that door a day earlier and found Sierra alive? For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. 20-year-old Sierra disappeared on Tuesday, Friday along Connie Road 7 in Metamora. Officials discovered what they believe to be the remains of a woman. I have children that are her age, and I just keep thinking of her and thinking of her family and just keeping them in my prayers. A positive identification of the remains will be made during an autopsy by the Lucas County Coroner's Office. Five years ago, in July 2016, 20-year-old Sierra Joggin disappeared in Ohio. Melissa Andrews is the evening anchor at WTOL. Melissa, I know you're in a busy newsroom and getting ready for the evening news, so we appreciate your taking the time to talk to us and a word of warning for our listeners. You'll hear the uh, the hubbub of the newsroom there. Melissa, I wanted to talk to you about this case because I know it's been one that you've been close to over the years, and we'll talk about your connection to, to Sierra and the family. But first, what do we know about what happened to Sierra back in 2016? So at around 6.45 on July 19th, 2016, Sierra was riding her bicycle home from her boyfriend's house. She had been over there and he was on his motorcycle kind of riding along with her and they were talking. And there's actually a picture of her um, last scene. I think he put it on his Snapchat of her on her bicycle. Um, and then they they parted ways. He went around to go home and she continued on um to her home. Um, and then her boyfriend reported to her family later that night that he couldn't find her, couldn't reach her. So the family started to call friends. Um, and then around midnight, her bicycle was discovered in a cornfield near where she was seen. There were signs of a struggle. Um, and there were some motorcycle tracks through the corn. The FBI gets involved. They're trying to track her on her Fitbit and her smartphone. Um, but it really didn't produce any leads of any kind at that point. And what can you tell us about this area in Ohio? This is a a very rural area, right? It's a very country town. Everybody knows one another pretty much. Uh, She went to Evergreen High School. Uh, Actually, her killer went to Evergreen High School as well, though he was many years older. It's just kind of a town where there's, you know, one stoplight and everybody knows everybody. Lots of cornfields. And talk to us about Sierra. Tell us what we know about her. So Sierra was very ingrained with her family. She was a University of Toledo student studying business, 20 years old. She had a boyfriend for a very long time uh, since they were in junior high together. Um, She worked for her uncle. Um, She just seemed to be very kind of a fiery personality, lots of personality, always talking, joking around, kind of the life of any situation. And so, of course, when her family hears that she's missing, 
from a cornfield, they knew immediately that this is not something that she would do on her own. It was very, very suspect when this happened. All right. So, Melissa, what happens next? Family and friends are, are looking for Sierra, but no sign of her. So the family's looking. They're putting out messages on Facebook. Uh, I happened to just interview her aunt uh, yesterday, and you know, we we revisited this case, and she talked about how they kind of gathered at the family home. They were told to kind of just stay around in case any of the investigators had any questions. Meanwhile, there were searches going on, and then probably about two days later, just because of dumb luck, when the officers were canvassing, they came across this man named James Worley who lived about two miles away. And so they knocked on the door and they asked him if he knew anything about this. And he just acted very bizarrely. He just immediately started kind of implicating himself. Um, there, he said things like, you know, I didn't steal anything or kill anyone. And you may find my... Um, helmet and my screwdriver and my sunglasses over there, but I didn't kill anyone. And so obviously this was crazy for these officers to hear this. And so what I'm told is that within a half an hour, as they're even questioning him, they're trying to obtain a search warrant for this property. And my understanding is too, that he even took them into this barn where it was later revealed that he had all kinds of sexual items, suspicious items, and um, that's more of what they discovered once they were able to obtain that search warrant. Shocking new details released in the investigation into the murder of Sierra Jockett, suggesting that her accused killer might have other victims. Horrifying new details emerging in these unsealed warrants here. Apparently, investigators found a hidden room inside this barn here behind me. There was blood on the walls of that room, blood inside of a freezer, and apparently restraints for holding people against their will. The documents say following a discussion with Worley while they were talking to neighbors in the area, that's when they requested a search warrant. During the search, they apparently found several pairs of female underwear, as well as zip tie restraints, a ski mask, and mace inside his truck. The documents say Sierra's blood was found on Worley's motorcycle and that duct tape had both his and Sierra's DNA on it. Apparently, Worley also told investigators he had hidden cameras set up all over his property and investigators found a nanny cam. Now, the search warrant says Worley fits that of a serial offender and that there are potentially additional unknown victims. It was revealed in these documents that Sierra was found buried in a shallow grave. So once they discovered all this stuff, um, they arrested him. And around the same time, it was also revealed that um, a, a, a person had seen uh, a man driving at a high rate of speed through this area, provided a license plate to the authorities that matched him. And then also at this time, it's revealed that James Worley had done something very similar to what's believed to have happened to Sierra at this point. And that is that in 1990, he um, there was a, a woman who, a young woman who was riding her bike. She said that he hit her with his van and then tried to stuff her in the van and, and luckily threatened her with a screwdriver. And that luckily some guy on a motorcycle came by and she was able to flag him down and escape. But James Worley um, was sentenced to four to 10 years. He served three years in prison for that. So I think that was obviously another red flag that led police to arrest him. 
So at this point, I think he's charged not with murder because they've not yet found Sierra's body, but uh, abduction. Orly apparently told investigators, according to these documents, that his motorcycle had broken down and that he pushed it into the cornfields uh, where they found Sierra's bike. He apparently told investigators there were two bikes there and that he may have touched uh, one of them. That's, of course, when they uh, requested that search warrant. And he also said he lost a helmet. And when they recovered a motorcycle helmet there um, at that scene, they found human blood on it. Melissa, this is like what every investigator or detective hopes for, right? I mean, they're canvassing the neighborhood and then all of this starts to come to light, but still no sign of Sierra or her body. Well, it's very unusual, yeah, for them to stumble upon this man and and have this rare coincidence that he just starts throwing up all this information. So unfortunately, on the same day he was arrested at about six o'clock in the afternoon, uh, Sierra's remains were discovered in a shallow field um, in a cornfield. The mystery of what happened to a vanished college student may now be solved. Authorities strongly believe they found the remains of 20-year-old Sierra Joggin in rural Northwest Ohio. Joggin was last seen alive on Tuesday. The Fulton County Sheriff says the remains were taken to the coroner's office for an autopsy. Authorities arrested 57-year-old James Worley on an abduction charge related to her disappearance. Authorities haven't given us any details on how she might have died, nor did they take any questions. Her body was intact. She was hogtied at the wrists and at the ankles, and she had like a a ball gag in her mouth. She was wearing a, an adult diaper. Um, and from what I was able to talk with the family again yesterday, as we are doing a story for the five-year anniversary, um, of course, at this time, you know, they're waiting for information from their perspective. The police are, you know, they come in, we have found something. Um, what kind of identifying marks might she have? And at this point, you know, they're starting to believe that they have found a body and that this is probably Sierra. So they do call and confirm that it is Sierra. And of course, um, I think for them, the biggest thing was they still had hope before she was found. And now all of their hope is gone when they determined that that it was her and that she was dead. Interestingly, I think in this case is there was no evidence of sexual assault. And I think a lot of people are baffled by that when they hear about all the items that were found in that barn and in James Worley's possession. There, there was no evidence of a sexual assault. And what kind of charges was he facing? So actually on August 16th, he was indicted on 19 counts. He was thrown in jail, no bail. Um, we're talking aggravated murder, kidnapping, assault, abduction, tampering with evidence, abuse of a corpse. He he pleads not guilty, um, and they're looking for the death penalty for him. All right, tell us what happened when this case then went to trial. Yeah, it went to trial, and the prosecution tried to say that he, um, you know, the prosecution said that he had watched pornography up until the, the crime was committed. He had been um, searching all these things on his web history, um, that he had looked up things like hogtied and um, knocking somebody out. Um, they said basically they painted the picture that he had watched this pornography and then he just ambushed her, hit her in the head with the, with the motorcycle helmet, and then waited in the cornfield until it was dark. And then he was able to ride his motorcycle back home, drive his van back to the scene, which we would be when that witness said she saw him speeding, um, and then take her back to the barn. That's where her DNA got all over everything. Um, and at some point, she she was asphyxiated from this 
this gag. Um, then he took her to the cornfield and buried her, her there. But he denies all this. He said he never encountered her. He never did any of this. He said that all of this evidence, the weird underwear, handcuffs, pornography, was because he was going to create a video. He he basically said that um, this helmet and other items that he left those behind in that area, um, and that maybe it was someone else who who used it to assault her. So clearly these investigators know that, that this man, and even the judge said when he was, when he was sentenced to death, he says something like, you know, if I thought there was a snowball's chance in hell that you were innocent, you'd just be looking at a life sentence, but nobody believed that he did not commit this crime. And so he is then convicted by a jury after a fairly short amount of time, right? Yes, he was um, found guilty in 2018 of 17 of the 19 charges, um, including the aggravated murder. The jury deliberated for for less than six hours. They recommended the death penalty, and the judge upheld that uh, about a month later, which is when he told him, if I thought you didn't do this, you would get the life sentence. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. In your reporting on this story, did anyone ever talk to you about James Worley and concerns about him before this all happened? Yeah, and you know, being from such a small community, as you mentioned, I asked the question, did anyone ever raise any red flags about James Worley in the past? And, you know, it really is something that wasn't fully and roundly discussed until after the crime happened. It's kind of one of those things where you notice it, but no one would ever think that something like this would happen. And so stories did start to come out about, oh, he was the weird guy at this store. He would show up at this high school party acting weird. And and even the prosecution, um, there was a time where uh, there was a and the second day of testimony in the trial in the penalty phase. So now where we're deciding whether he's going to get life or whether he's going to get uh, the death penalty, there were some audio recordings that were l- released between um, James Worley's sister and a private investigator. She said that he was suspected of killing a prostitute in 2000. He was never charged because no remains were ever found. Also, another woman in the 70s that he had said he was in love with. Um, and that's the interesting part in this, too, because Robin Gardner was run down by Worley in 1990. He held a screwdriver to his her neck and he served three years in prison. So many people, including the family and some investigators, don't believe that Sierra and Robin Gardner were his only victims. What was James Worley doing between 1990 and 2016? Nobody believes that he was a church mouse. And did, did James Worley, did he live alone? He, I believe he did live his, with his mother. He also had a brother that was in the picture. I believe that the sister that I mentioned was out of town. Both the mother and the brother have since died. I mean, I would love to find out what James Worley was doing during that time frame between 1990 and 2016. But um, to my knowledge, all of the family members have passed and the sister is is not in this area. What's it been like getting to know Sarah's family, Melissa? 
you know, what I think is remarkable, remarkable about this family is that instead of burying Sierra Joggin, going through the criminal process and that being the end of her story, they chose to make her story about protecting other people and making sure that this type of heinous crime doesn't happen again. You know, they tell me what what an amazing life and energy she had about her and a spirit. And for them, they are remembering her, honoring her and, and making her life, not about the fact that she was heinously murdered, but the fact that so many more people can now be protected because of what they've done with her in mind after her murder, which I think is really, really remarkable and probably very healing for them, to be honest. They're not just remembering what happened to her. And 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 I would say, too, in our community, yes, people know very well this case, but they also are very aware that a lot of good has come from what her family has done since her death. Melissa, there is a law in the state now named after Sierra. Can you tell us about that? We now have um, what is called Sierra's Law in the state of Ohio. The family really thought, you know, you remarked, and, and I even said this to the family, it seemed like they really found James Worley quickly. But what if they could have found him even quicker? Um, the family really felt strongly that since he had had this prior conviction of running over Robin Gardner and attempting to kidnap her, that he should be registered as a violent offender, similar to how a sexual offender is registered here in the state of Ohio. And so they sought to pass Sierra's law uh, in the Ohio legislature. And in 2018, after some changes to the law, they were able to get it passed. So now anyone in the state of Ohio can go to their local sheriff's office and find out where violent offenders are living around them. And they truly believe that there is a possibility that Sierra may have been found alive if police also had access to that information very quickly that, hey, this man did a very similar crime 30 years ago and he lives right here. What if they would have knocked on that door a day earlier and found Sierra alive? And finally, Melissa, before I let you go, you have a connection to the family. Can you talk about that a little bit? I was actually covering the Republican National Convention in in Cleveland when this happened. But um, interestingly, my, my husband did go to school with Sierra's aunt and mom and uncle. And so my, my husband's family knows them. And I kind of tried to stay out of it at the beginning because I didn't want to seem, you know, like a vulture going around and trying to interview them as they were going through this. But it just so happened that... Um, after the death, um, I had started, they had asked me to host a 5k run that they do to raise money every year. And so now I'm actually on the board of directors for the organization and am close with the family. And, and yes, I do do stories with them frequently. And we actually have a very recent update on this case just at the beginning of July, a decision was handed down on the timing of that execution for the suspect in this case. Well, James Worley, who was convicted of killing Sierra Jockin back in July 2016 in Fulton County, is scheduled to be executed in four years. The Ohio State Supreme Court announced yesterday it has affirmed the death sentence for Worley. He's sentenced to be executed in May of 2025. This news has been bittersweet for some of Sierra's loved ones who are still fighting for positive change in Sierra's name. It's always a hard thing when 
somebody's life is being taken, but we are, you know, really happy that justice for Sierra was served and that they made the appropriate sentence. All right, my thanks to Melissa Andrews at WTOL in Ohio for talking to us. All right, Will, thank you. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. We're here every weekday, Monday through Friday, with new episodes. Be sure to let your friends and family know about The Daily Crime. We'll see you next time. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson.